says, okay, I'm trying something new. I'm on, um, I'm on the fresh side of my grief this year. And what I mean by that is uh, for 17 years, I had been grieving my very best friend, my brother, his name is Chase. And in order for me to talk to you about grief, I feel like I also want you to understand like the original form. Because I sometimes think about grief as like um, the echo or it's the mold made from the original form. And, and so I want you to know that there was, my relationship with my brother was exceptionally sacred to me. So he was my friend and my brother. He was someone who I felt like just inexplicably understood by and connected to. He was someone that I would have like choose in every lifetime. Do you know what I mean? Like just like the kind of person that um, there was just like an intrinsic <sighs> with. Like it just it fit, and that's what my hands wanted to be like. They wanted to just connect. Like there was just an ease, an ease of our togetherness. And from the time that we were little, there was just an an ease in our friendship and our way of being. And then as we lived through our different experiences and into our adulthood we still had a lot of really lovely like cherished shared times together so we he would come up to my college for all of our like school dances he we traveled southeast asia together so part of what that looked like is i was doing a study abroad program when i was living in thailand and chase had just finished up a year at usc and came to meet me for the summer and we spent the next like six to eight weeks-ish like talking as adults, talking about like, what do you remember from childhood or that day or that moment or that night? And I, we have, we came from a really traumatic upbringing. And so there were some things that I think we both were curious about. What do you remember or know that, how are you making sense of it all, right? So all that to say, during our time in Southeast Asia, we spent we backpacked, so we literally were like the kids with backpacks on, and we hitchhiked through from the north of Thailand all the way down to the south. And I mean, we just had, I mean, the adventure of a lifetime, truly, the adventure of a lifetime. I, <laughs> there were, because the, here's, there's the, the struggle in it, right? So this was back in the day when we used a lonely planet guide, like a, a book that was written years before it published and I bought at like a used bookstore. There was no cell phone, there was no GPS, there was nothing that allowed us to know how to get where we were going besides a lonely planet guide. So this was my compass, this is what I was using. Also I'm the older sister, so this was my job to navigate us, to not get us lost, <laughs> like, I don't know, like stuck or kidnapped or all the things that like I, my grandma was sure were gonna happen to us. So we're using the Lonely Planet Guide, and then being there, I'm like, we're just gonna like go. We're just gonna thumb arrive. We're gonna trust. We're gonna see what happens. We're gonna, we're just gonna go for it. We're just gonna say yes. So we would let families pick us up, or people heading the direction we were going in, and ride in the back of their truck for hours sometimes, and hopefully get to our next destination. And there was times where we'd miss the bus, or miss the train, or miss our next connection, and we'd roll out our pad and like okay yes we're gonna sleep on the bench or this is what we're gonna where we're gonna sleep tonight and 
there were times where we would be met with the kindness of strangers, people that even though there was exceptional language barrier, um, could communicate with like, no, you ultimately you cannot sleep here. Please come to our home. And so we we like lived on the mercy of others. There, it was just a um, it's a kind of adventure I hope my children have the kind of experience that I I want would love for them to say yes to. So all that to say, um, I, I want you to know that life with my brother marked me. Um, and all of this, our relationship and our our plans, because while we were gone, we, we wrote up these ideas for our future. We wanted to um, buy a coffee shop in town, Kehlani's, for those of you who are local to St. Clemente. And our plan was to buy the coffee shop, build out the top where we could live up upstairs, and then downstairs, we would sell our two favorite things, coffee and ice cream, respectively, and then allow it to be a place for people to come and be, have community, be together. And so this was our grand vision. This was our like, this is how we're gonna uh, come home from this trip changed. And so uh, what's neat is I have this journal from that time in both of our handwriting. And you can see like his chicken scratch and, <laughs> and my correction and then his naming it and, and all the things we just wanted it to be. And we were just rich in dream. You know, we were, let's see here, we would have been like 18 and 20, you know? So we were like, it's like, like everything was for us at this stage in our life. Like we were, we were outside of our family of origin. We were in our own adult self and we were in the middle of nowhere. I mean nowhere and there was something about that awayness and that togetherness like that forged something really uh, really precious for us so all that to say um, life with my brother was an adventure life with my brother was uh, fun and spontaneous and just good like you like the people that are just good like Chase was just good I haven't I've yet to meet someone who doesn't have a fond memory of him just being like, God, he was just the best guy, huh? Like, and he was, <laughs> he's the best. So, uh, two years after our trip, about a year and a half actually, uh, we, I graduated from college, he was still at USC, and I'm now back at home, I'm in grad school, and in grad school, I'm working three jobs to go to grad school, earn my hours to become a therapist, doing a lot of different things, and I'm working an after-school program. So I'm sitting on like the counter space, and I get a phone call, and the phone call is from like first my I think first my dad, and then from my mom, and my brother was in a skateboard accident, and he. At first, like we didn't know, and so the information that came through was like, I just told both my parents, like, you need to get to the hospital, like, pack a bag, pack a phone charger, like, get up there. And that night, I ended up coming up to the hospital as well, learning more that it was more significant than, I think, like, we had mental capacity to understand, because it doesn't, like, it's unthinkable nothing made sense i mean it was like like true failure to to consider this information it, it wasn't i hadn't i had no f way to compute what was happening 
So everything just felt like shock. Like I, I couldn't understand why, like, is it daytime? Is it nighttime? Like it was a true, I felt my self collapse, internally collapse. Like I couldn't understand, I feel like I couldn't understand people speaking to me even. Like it was, I was in so much shock. I didn't understand the here and now orientation of my life. The next day we, there was, there was 11 days of Chase being in the ICU. And that's a, that's a, that story and, and those experiences are for another time. But um, on that 11th day, uh, it, we had the opportunity to honor his wishes of being an organ donor. And, and like, that was it. Like that was like this nine, 11 day window of shock, radical shock and pleading and confusion and waiting and tests and ethical committees deciding on what is required for a life and and where is he at in that realm and then to have the end like to have this tunnel it was like this weird like holding place of incident to finally some finality in it and I think that there was there was relief for me for sure at the end of like we just we can at least know that something has happened like I felt like I could actually go and grieve now because for this time like there it was just loss like it was confusion and shock and loss and just really again just deep confusion and from here forward there was this this element of like at least I have something to call it I can say he has died I, I could I had words and again like that was what I needed in order to understand what was happening so that I could feel or heal or, or do the things that happen on the other side of, of tragic loss. And so I, I give you that story so you understand maybe the timeline of what happened and why his loss 17 years later still feels so exceptionally important to me. Because losing my brother was like losing well, I mean, it was losing my like soul person, my very best friend, and also the hope of something being different for our lives. You know, we shared the first half of our lives much, much so much out of our control, weathered, weathered and weathered and weathered and weathered so many different things. And I think we saw that this was like a, it would be the future of our design. It would be us having a say. It would be like our survival, like our, we did it. Like we're on this side now. Like how beautiful could we make it? How, what if we just did this? Have an ice cream coffee shop. Do you know, like we were, like, like it was going to be different. Okay. So to lose Chase, to me, I feel like I'd come to the end of the sidewalk. Like I didn't know how to have a life after that. Like I didn't know how to look or think beyond the journal, what we'd written down and, and the plan. And so it was excruciating. No, it's not excruciating. It was just like numb, like dumbfounded. I didn't, there's just nothing. There was nothing. It's the end of the sidewalk. And so for the first few years, I think I was just really grateful that there, if there was anything on my calendar, because then like my feet could get me there. Like I, I could show up. Like my grief felt so thick. It was like, okay, class. Okay. I go to class now, I guess. Okay. Um, okay. This is on my calendar. Okay. I show up here. Like I just felt like I was just walking through my life 
and there were years where that was just like a floaty kind of experience where grief was swirly and kind of everywhere kind of like a fog kind of like um just very present and heavy and all consuming and then there were years where that got kind of broken up so let's see here three years after my brother died I got married um we had ch three children pretty quickly right after that and those years of my grief feel f fragmented for me because they're they're contrasted by life and birth and um all the needs of young human beings in my home and also whatever there's all the things that life is you know what i'm saying all the things that life is but i learned a lot about birth during those years i for our first baby isaac chase uh, we planned to do a home water birth so we took all the classes and we were did all the research and blah 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 and we learned all about like contractions and language and why it would be important to consider how we discuss what pain is and waves and all this stuff okay and I say that because now that I have language for birth I feel like I actually have some language for my grief so the way in which birth at that time just birthing actual human beings this year I, I spent some time thinking oh I feel like there's a couple different ways that you can give birth, right? And there are some different ways in which you can grieve. And at the beginning of this grief journey for me, I feel like I was just surviving, like whatever I needed to do to get through it. Epidural, <laughs> I don't know, like, like just take the next breath. Like just keep breathing at least, like don't also die. Like just, sur just bare minimum survival. And then there were years where I did start to feel something kind of kind of shift where I, my grief wasn't, okay, like I'm not happening to my grief. I think I would sequester my grief. It would be like, today is November 9th. Today is the day of Chase's accident. And I would, like the, all of my grief would be pushed into one day. That's when it's going to be. This is the day that is sad, right? And, and, and then I stopped trying to control that grief and stopped trying to be in charge of it and stopped trying to cut it up into, you know, bite-sized pieces that would somehow be more palatable or, or survivable and began allowing the grief to inform me, began trusting my body and my, my container, myself to hold my experience. So in birth when a contraction comes it's there to do its work in me it's there to continue to open me it's there to it's there for a purpose it's not just reckless pain it's it, it's it's accomplishing something it's doing something and and the invitation in contraction is to go with the opening as counterintuitive as it feels because it feels insane like you're going to be split right open and mm -hmm. So there's like sometimes the body wants to fight against the contraction and like clench or flex or like move away from that pain, right? And, and so in birth, the, the concept is to soften, to breathe, to ride each wave until completion. And so all of this has kind of been in the background 
of my knowing, right? Like, I'm like, I know that, I, I know it over here. And, and this year I kind of watched these two kind of come together or eclipse each other in a way where I could like feel labor beginning, like labor pains. I could feel like something feels off. And uh, when you are waiting to have a baby, you're looking at every single sign and symptom. I was two weeks overdue with my first baby. And if I sneezed, I was sure I was, oh, it's time. Like every single potential thing in the universe was a sign my body was going to have the baby, right? So, so you're anticipating, exceptionally anticipating something occurring in your birth. And so you pay attention. You pay very close attention to what your body's doing. And so I borrowed that wisdom. I borrowed that experience. And I noticed this year on a Wednesday that I was like, I'm beginning to slow down. I feel tired. I feel like my face starting to like, like feel heavy. And again, I want you to understand, I'm not doing this to me. I'm just experiencing the slow down. It might be similar to when you feel like, oh, like, am I getting sick? Do you know when you feel more tired during the day or a little more lethargic? Like that's just what I noticed was starting to happen. And so I just noticed it. I just paid attention. And this year, instead of pushing through, being like, at least you, you show up to work again. You, you sequester your reef. You put it over there. It's not Thursday. It's fucking Wednesday, right? So you show up for Wednesday. I like, I couldn't. I, I couldn't. It was like I was going to have a grief baby or something. Like I was going to, I was going, something was coming and I needed to honor it. I did need to honor it. I also chose to honor it. I was in participation with my experience. So I wrestled through the guilt of canceling the rest of my week. At the same time, knowing that like I couldn't do anything about it. And I got in bed. As I'm in bed, I also, similar to the birth process, when we have people that are supportive people, we reach out to them, we ask for help. And so I... I texted with a friend throughout most of the day. We spent time and like just sharing what was going on. I feel like I can't move. I feel like I just want to bury myself. And you know, she exchanged like words of just like comfort and support and just subtle noticing with me. I was like, well then do that. Like, what would just what if you buried yourself in the blankets? Like what if you and we just kind of tracked or, or went with the experience. And it was so different than how I'd been with my grief in the past. I can tend to be sharp about it or um, like jagged or uh, it feels rough or like shards. That's kind of how it feel has felt it like, like a dark, um, like more of an, an abyss. Yeah. Like just brutal. Grief has felt brutal and punishing before. And this year when I went with trusting that I'm going to come out the other side, that I'll know what to do when I feel like I, like I, I'll just know what to do, I trust myself. What about that? What if I say I trust myself? I, I trust this process. I, ultimately, I trust myself because I didn't even know the process yet this year. But I trusted myself to allow myself to feel anything and everything that was surfacing. And if I understood, just in the way that I understood contractions are there for my good, that they are there for a purpose to bring forth something that is within me. And if I transfer that information into my experience also in grief, I understand that every feeling, every thought, every memory, every like 
width of his life is there to open me, to bring something forward, to birth something for my good. It's a totally different way for me to hold or understand or be with my grief. So I had memories this year that I haven't had in a long time. I actually had, um, I had laughter. I had just surprising like shocks of like, oh my God, I forgot about that moment. And it felt so good to remember that in the midst of three days of truly being in bed. Of just kind of being with whatever was next. And so just like in birth, when we go with, the experience until birth happens that's exactly what this was like i'm like i just kept following noticing tracking and going with my experience and following it through to whatever was going to be next or on the other side some some things that marked like some marked differences for me and this is kind of what i wanted to communicate was what would what would change for you if you trusted yourself and I mean, this could be about anything. Like, what if you trusted yourself when you felt sad? And what if you trusted yourself when you felt mad or suspicious of something or someone? Or uh, what if you trusted yourself when you felt joy? And what if you allowed yourself the fullness of that experience to deliver you? To deliver you that's the thing right it's in traditional birth we're birthing someone but i think in the idea of like this emotional birth we're actually delivering ourselves this next iteration this next me on this side of this year of grief this next maybe it's an idea maybe it's a form of creativity and from my own experience it's creativity that typically is the final lift it's which makes sense doesn't it in birth like it's of course it's creativity of course it's cre creation that meets me on the other side of grief um, or birth if they're the same and so i noticed that on that third day i i had like there was like a little bit of an idea um, an idea can feel sometimes just like a distraction like i felt distracted from my grief for a little bit and so then i just noticed that and, and like let myself think about it so that's what I mean by leaning in or letting the, the contraction or wave do its job is I just follow with curiosity. I let my mind go there. I let myself feel there. I let myself wander there. I just go with the experience that I'm ha having because I trust myself. And so I followed uh, the curiosity. I felt like I could needed to get out of the house. I loaded up the kids. We went down to the beach. We... Everyone knows what to do with the beach in our family. So we just kind of got there. You know, we just got to the beach and we did our things. One son is like laying in the sand. Great, fantastic. Um, looking for shells, sea glass, throwing a frisbee, finding treasure, uh, whatever we're doing. I'm finding rocks. I just wanted to like push. I need to like unload some things. And how do you know? I think it's the same way that you know when you're hungry. And you're like, oh, I'm hungry now. You're not like, huh, is this hunger or is this fatigue? You know, you know. When you've spent time inside of yourself, you know what those things are and you know what those signals are. And so then you do them. And it's the same way that we take care of our emotional wellness as well. Is I know when I feel 
Like I need to release something. And so then I do. So I can pick up a rock and hold it and name all the things that, that this one is, this one boulder or rock is, and then I can huck it or throw it or slam it or softly release it, whatever it is, because again, I know. I know what to do when that sensation arises and I honor that I know. It sounds maybe basic, but there's an element of like, we do not always trust ourselves to take us through this process. We are constantly in mistrust of ourselves because it's painful. Or we outsource that trust to a therapist or a pastor or a friend or TV or wherever, right? Or Instagram. And we think that someone's gonna tell us what to do with those things, but that's not the innate wisdom of the body and that's not the deep personal repair that's for you. That might've been someone else's um, idea, experience, wisdom or whatnot. But what happens when you trust you? So all that to say, I wanted to just offer my experience as one, a form of creativity and, and, and maybe something for you to chew on or consider or almost like one of those viewfinders that you could like click through and, and think about your life experience just from a different perspective for today. So again, just that, you know, you can click through and think, uh, is there something that is almost like an like unbirthed within me? Is there an, an experience or a moment or a memory or a person or, uh, or an idea, you know, something that has been unfelt, unexperienced, undelivered, when I really zoom out, I think that this is like how I see a lot of things in my life, how I see my relationship to creativity or ideas or inspiration or my work is it's, um, is that there are things that are wanting and trying to come forward, come out. And to the degree to which I trust myself and allow in what is necessary for that process to happen, then they do. So brush from uh, this side of both the grief and the relief, um, I want to just like extend like a, just even a place to land or a source of hope maybe, just even another way to look at it, to just extend comfort if you have been holding something that has been like tucked or stored away within you or I want to extend peace the ability to exhale all the way and maybe even to consider that there will be another feeling you'll have one day you'll there will be another feeling that besides the one you're in or another way to be with your grief or with your loss and again or with your idea or with your creativity or with your child it is alive, this process. It is living. It is um, in motion. And, and then this just becomes our invitation to participate with what has happened and what is happening if we understood that it was all happening for us rather than to us. So from the depths of my heart, thank you even for uh, entertaining the listen or the watch. Hope you have a good day. 